Before I introduce our guest speakers, we do have another special person on the phone. Um, she's the iPhone in our little chat. Grace, are you there, Grace? Grace is my daughter. I'm, I'm diving so you can hear I-90 in the background. Okay, so I had to bring my daughter, Grace, on. Grace um, does helps um, Feisty Brown with public relations, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I wanted to bring Grace on, number one, because she's my daughter. I'm very proud of her. But secondly, she was in your seat a few years ago, um, really not on Zoom, but she was a SUNY Schenectady um, student. She got her associate's degree with SUNY Schenectady before going on to Liberty University and getting her bachelor's. So Grace, I just wanted to ask you real quickly, how did SUNY Schenectady help you in your career path? So um, to be honest with you, I really had no idea what I wanted to do and what my interests were um, coming into SUNY Schenectady. So being able to really take a variety of different classes, you know, for these electives and your core gen eds like you all are doing with this entrepreneurship class really, um, you know, gave me an opportunity to test and, and, you know, really learn about a variety of different subjects and see what interested me. Um, I took some communications classes. I fell in love with it. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have even gone into communication. Had I Awesome. That is great. Okay, you can go on mute now and pay attention to the road. All right. Uh, all right. So um, thank you so much, Grace. Um, so without further ado, I want to welcome our guests, Julie and Theo Fells um, with Feisty Brown. Thank you so much. Are you guys okay if I record this and it'll become a part of a podcast? Is that all right? That's fine. All right. Um, and students, if you have any questions, you can either, I'm going to move my bar here so I can see... Um, I can see if anybody has any questions in the chat, but I also want to encourage you to raise your hand and speak up. I, um, I think they would welcome just to hear from you as well. Um, but I'm going to just start off with a few questions. First of all, so your company's name is Feisty Brown. So I just want to know which one's Feisty and which one's, which one's Brown. No, so, we are feisty brown. We're both feisty brown. It's definitely a collaboration. I love, I love the name. So tell us first of all, what is feisty brown? You, you address that. Um, feisty brown. We're a design studio. That's kind of how we describe ourselves. Some people call us an agency, um, and that's that's true. Although I, I think that that um, agencies. When I think of it, deal a lot with advertising. We don't deal a lot with advertising and buying and selling ads. So it's it's we're we're a design studio. We um, what does that mean? So tell me what you uh, do for yeah. What do you do for uh, what we what we do is we take ideas and we work for a lot. We our our specialty is we work for corporate clients. So we we take ideas and we visualize them. These ideas could be um, a campaign that they want to express to their employees, their internal audience. Um, it could be something external as well, like a booklet or an annual report. And we take what they want to say and make it digestible and enjoyable to either read or view or browse. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's our, that's, that's kind of our goal. Can you give um, me a, um... Well, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you going to say something else? Please cut me off. That's great. No. <laughs> no, no. 
So can you give me like maybe, so we talked a little bit about advertising and marketing and these kind of things where you work on, on, you work to assist in messaging, correct? Yeah. So can you give me something that might stand like, what would be one that you would say, I mean, you're very creative. You can see in your, your back wall there. I can just see, I bet your brainstorming sessions are a lot of fun. Um, and you probably go through all different types of ideas until you get, you land on an idea. Um, can you give me maybe one of something that stands out to you is maybe one that was maybe one that you're most proud of or one that um, just out of the box or I don't know, well, something that you would want to highlight. Uh, business integrity. Yeah, yeah. So we do, okay. So I would say 80% of our work is internal corporate communication. So that's just what you were talking about before. That's communicating to your employees. And we've worked with big companies like American Express is one of our clients. Um, we've worked with small companies of a hundred or less, but they both kind of have the same goals of making sure that their, their associates, their employees are well-informed because as you were saying, if they're well-informed, uh, they work better, they're happier. They're, they like where they're working. They like the environment. And, and just to interject a little bit, sometimes when a company is um, communicating with their employees, they're actually explaining programs that they have on the outside to their employees so that everybody is kind of on the same page and knows the same things. But sometimes it's uh, more of an HR thing where they need to know that there's a certain new type of compliance or that they, uh, they have a new ethical standard about something or they're reminding employees about ethical standards. So. That's great. So a lot of times, I, I haven't said this, I don't think in our class, but a lot of times these are the things that are the requirements and they're, they're necessary, but they're not necessarily what an entrepreneur gets in business for. Like I always tell people like, no one starts a business and says, boy, I just can't wait to do payroll. I just can't <laughs> wait to, you know. Well, you know what they do though? People are passionate about anything. Right, but most people who start a business, they're passionate about their their widget. So you want to find the people like you who are passionate about the things that will keep you in compliance, or you want to find the accountant that loves numbers, because probably the one who started the business, they're really excited about this product that led them to you know start the business to begin with. Um, well, I mean that's kind of why our business. Ficey Brown has been around, uh, we started three years ago, and I had done a lot of studios before that, worked in a lot of studios, big and small, and then probably starting in 2004, I went out on my own, and it wasn't until Julie and I um, started our own studio that it started to click, because she manages the studio, and I'm a designer, and I've learned a lot about managing from Julie, but it, it's it's made our business a lot less um, uh, scary. Scary. That's exactly <laughs> what I was looking because for. Because you have different strengths. Yeah. yeah. So I want to get to that in a moment. Um, because, by the way, those she, in the class, we talked about a certain. So, just so you know, Julie and Theo are married. So, what is the name? What is this? Is a pop, this was on a quiz? If you remember, there's a unique name for husband and wife um, startups. What oh, do we call? Anyone who know that? Uh, Copreneur. Lindsay, way to go. Copreneurs. I don't know. Have you guys heard that word? Wow, I have never heard that. That's Not great. Even, 
Now you got it. So uh, you guys are co-preneurs. Um, so what led you to start the business? You said you started three years ago. We did. Um, I'm assuming you have had careers where you actually worked for employee, where you were the employee. And then at some point you said, you know what, I want to, is that correct? And just, you can, I'll start with you first, Julie, and then we'll go to you, Theo, about just your, a little bit about your career path and how you got to where you are. Because just so you know, this is an entrepreneurship class, but not mm -hmm. every student here is yet ready to necessarily take the plunge. And so we talk about that that's okay. And that some may be entrepreneurs, even within a company, you may have employees that, you know, have ideas and you kind of give them some runway to run with it and, and uh, take ownership of, so you can have a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit within the context of a company that you work for. But oh, I'm sure. sorry, so Julie, tell me a little bit about your career path. So I, I don't, I never really had a career path. I am one of those people who, um, I never actually knew what I wanted to do as opposed to Theo who like from a very young age knew what he wanted to go into. So I did everything. I worked um, right out of uh, school. I worked for a farm down in Red Hook. Uh, then I moved to a publishing company. Then I moved to working in nonprofits. Then I wanted to do uh, I wanted to get into computer programming. So I, I worked for the Dutchess Community College actually. Uh, and then I became, I, I got my master's degree in library science and became a librarian. I was the director of a public library. Wow. And I, I did that for uh, probably about 12 years. And um, then I made the switch to, uh, I decided I wanted to get into design and it was because of Theo. I had hired Theo in his previous studio um, to help me develop the library's website. And I had so much fun working on communications with Theo and learning uh, about design that um, I decided that was the path I wanted to go into. So after he and I got married and we started Feisty Brown, it was my, my experience as the director of a library meant that I was doing a lot of non, uh, nonprofit management um, and I love business. And my, my dad was a, uh, he was a business person to the core. We, my, half of my family is Lebanese and my, uh, family who came over here were, uh, had rug stores and my, that my dad was an entrepreneur. He had rug stores and sold real estate and sold jewelry. He did everything. So a lot of my business background comes from my dad, but also the public library. That's great. So would you say that I always tell people that I think sometimes people get worried about, oh, I picked the wrong major or I picked the wrong college or this or that, that none of that experience that you had was wasted. Even Absolutely not. No, that's the thing. Although it wasn't a career path, you know, in the sense that I knew where I was going, it is so fun to look back and see how every single part of what I've done has fed into what we do now. And now I'm 50 and I'm having the best time of my life. I feel like this is what I was meant to do. And it's just, it's so worth it to kind of, you can go about it any, any way and still have it be valuable. You don't do it wrong. You use yeah. everything that you learn. I love that. I totally agree with that. My wife went into nursing and she kind of realized about a, you know, maybe a year before she got her degree that she really didn't want to work in a hospital. And 
long story short, she's done a lot of different things, but nursing was not really for her, but I don't think that was wasted. Number one, we had children. Um, she now works in children's ministry. So she's, all that is not, education is never wasted. Your experience is not wasted. You can learn empathy. There's other things that are intangible that are still valuable. So that, that's great. I wanted them to hear that from you. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and then after Theo shares his, I want, then we will break if there's questions and then we'll keep going because I do have a list of questions here, but I do want you to feel free students to, um, to ask a question. So Theo, tell us a little bit about your path. Um, yeah, my path was much more directed. I was, even in high school, I was just kind of fascinated with graphic design. I look at posters and album, album covers, not CDs, but album covers. LP covers. LP covers. <laughs> And, you know, and just like be fascinated and wonder how they did, them, you know, so I copied them and stuff like that. And I got to, my family had a pretty strong fine arts background. And when I went to uh, University of California, Santa Cruz, I was an uh, art major, um, but I also worked at the student newspaper at the same time, because I knew that was kind of a way I would learn how to do this. And it was great because um, I, I learned a skill and working at, working at a newspaper is a very collaborative, uh, it's a very collaborative group of people. Um, you're working with people who write, people who produce, people who take photographs, people who do design. And um, it was a pretty nice setup. So, and it was a little business. It was a little business within the school. And so that kind of set me off thinking I could do this. and. Um, I worked my way up from a lowly production assistant to being the creative director of the newspaper. Wow. And this was right at the dawn of um, the computer age. I mean, this was right when, when Apple was putting out the first Mac. And uh, my school was just over the hill from Silicon Valley where Apple and Adobe and uh, not, not Microsoft, but all of these companies were. And I ended up um, working at Atari after school, again, as a lowly production assistant, because that's a job I could get, but I worked my way up. And that was really great because I could see how a huge company works. And I could also see how a huge company fails because I was there when Atari went under. And um, it was just- You had no role in that though, just to be clear. I had no role in it. <laughs> at least I hope not. Um, I was just designing like Moon Patrol brochures, you know, these kind of, you know, video games. I was one of those kids, by the way. So I grew up with Atari. Well, we had Pong, actually. Um, and um, Space Invaders was what got me in trouble with my mom for <laughs> being late for dinner. Yeah. Most, I tell the class, you know, in those days, you couldn't pause games. Remember, now you can pause a game, go eat, <laughs> go walk the dog, come back and play. Mom, I'm on world whatever, and I'm right. going to lose it all. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Theo. Basically, Space Invaders was a bunch of X's and balls going around a black screen. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I, I kind of, um, I, I, after Atari, I worked at some other smaller, I worked at uh, some business journal newspapers in Silicon Valley, and then moved to the East Coast and got a job. Um, at a, what's called like a boutique design studio in Soho. And that basically did similar to what we're doing now. Um, we worked with corporations, we did corporate magazines, we did um, 
all sorts of corporate communication. And that was fun. I did that. I went through a few other uh, large and small firms, probably four years at a time, always trying to do something different. I jumped initially to do web work from print work because I wanted to learn that. That was in the late 90s. And um, the one thing that I saw a lot was I saw people getting very excited about making a lot of money and then overreaching. And when we started our, when I started my first studio, I kind of made a, a choice not to have a bricks and mortar building, not to rent a space or anything like that. And it was a little touch and go there because we would do phone conferences or we would do video conferences. And I was a little shy about it, you know, but as technology grew and people started to do Zoom calls and stuff like that, it became much more acceptable to kind of have this virtual, um, you know, a virtual studio. So from about 2005 till now uh, with different partners um, and freelancers, I've been doing corporate communications as well as the other type of stuff we do is annual reports. So that's not, that's corporate, but that's external. Um, and so it's the thing is, it's the funny thing is, is when we got, when you asked us to come on, I said to Julie, I said, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, it's just like, this was a passion, you know, that I, I wanted to follow. So it's, I, I feel super lucky, you know, and I also feel super lucky that at the age of 62, I got it right, you know, so, so, I, far. <laughs> so, yeah, so far. And it's, and uh, you know, one thing that I complain about is that like, they always talk about being you know, young people who find it, who, who make it big, who, who do a company. And I think that's great. I mean, I think that's part of it, but it's also, some people don't figure it out till they're a lot older. Um, and so I think patience really has something, has something to say about that. That's great. And it's like, you know, lessons learned. I mean, it's, it's okay to learn, learn along the way. And you bring, it sounds to me like those past studios, what you, the, the good, you, like I used to coach little league, my son and daughter's little league teams. And I used to say, you know, you got to leave that last inning behind and focus, you know, if you had a bad inning, um, you know, you try to take the best and then you try to learn so you don't repeat. But so I'm assuming it sounds like you probably learned some good, what works. I'm going to keep the good yeah. stuff. And then are there some things that from those past studios you had that you said, that was, yeah. I don't want to repeat that again. Can anything come to mind that you said, we, that is not going into this new entity? I have one. Yeah, I think um, in previous times, like I used to work for Theo as well um, in his previous studio. I think that uh, what was important for us was to narrow down and really define what we do and not not uh, put it out there that we do everything. Because I think we, we overscoped before and now um, everything that we do is very genuine and we do it well. And that has given us the confidence to um, make other decisions in our business. So know who you are and don't be all things to all people, but Absolutely. really stay, stay focused in that, that sweet spot. I think that I think the other thing is, is that throughout my career, um, I've, I've learned how, I've learned how to, how to talk and relate to people. 
and how to understand what they're really asking for. Because um, we're service, you know, and we, you know, we really, I mean, the most important thing since we're communicating visually and editorially is to understand what they want to communicate, but it's also understand how they want to work with you. Um, and so, I mean, that's a whole nother side of it. It's like people, I think, like working with us. And I think one of the reasons they do is that we've had uh, enough experience and we're human enough that um, it's somewhat of a enjoyable or at least, you know, reasonably comfortable experience. That's great. I like what you said about understanding what they are actually wanting from you. So that means you have to listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's a story I remember reading years ago about this uh, child who asked his parents, where he came from. And so the mom and dad looked at each other like, oh, we're gonna have to have that conversation now. And they got ready to get into, they actually went into detail about, you know, the birds and the bees. And then he goes, but I came from the hospital, right? And they go, they didn't answer the question. He was really, you know, <laughs> back and saying, okay. Um, so really listening, you probably have to ask a lot of questions when you, you're, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you, it sounds like for a certain, to do a certain job. Does that sound fair? Yeah, I, a lot of our clients are people we've worked with for a long time. So that knowledge builds up the longer you work with them. Um, but sure, when we when we have a new client, um, there's definitely a lot of uh, listening and, and responding. Yeah, we so, wanna understand the company as much as possible. I mean, we'll read their annual report. We'll do our research because we wanna, you know, we, we don't wanna go in cold, not, really understanding what we're getting into. Right. So what challenges um, did you face going into the business? And then are there unique challenges that you're facing now in the midst of this pandemic? Mm -hmm. And I'd like to hear, first of all, just in general, you know, um, Theo, you said, you know, you didn't really think you were an entrepreneur. You are. You're, it's a major risk to start a, to start a business, you know, and to run a business um, without the safety net of, you know, when you work for a company, you know, of, you know, you have to secure your own clients and, you know, all of that goes into starting a business. So what challenges are you, are, have you faced? Um, how did you handle those challenges? How'd you overcome them or, you know, survive them at least? And then um, are there some unique challenges today? You, who, you wanna go, you wanna go. I can, you go. I can address the first part. Um, I, I think the hardest thing for us in the way we work, when, especially when we first got started, is that uh, we were working with big companies like Capital One, and they pay on 60 to 90 day terms. And we had very little money when we started. And we had, our first year was really tight in between when we invoiced and when we got the actual money. Um, so. I, I am, I like to consider myself kind of um, progressive socially, but I'm conservative fiscally. Um, so I kind of insisted that we budget and we set a salary for ourselves instead of just getting a check-in from the client and spending the money. So we set a budget, we set a salary uh, that was ridiculously small. And, um, 
you know, we made it, we made it through the first year, which was a good sign. Yeah. And, um, and money started to build up in Feisty Brown so that then we could increase our salary. And uh, I don't know how much you guys know about that end of things, but you can also, owners can take money out as a, as a different type of income, as an owner's draw. So we would take distributions that way as well if we um, agreed to it and needed it. Um, but it, it's all about, it's all about um, for us having some structure with the money so that we can then afford to do things like hire Grace to do public relations for us or hire a freelancer to help Theo when the design uh, portion of our business gets a little overwhelming or hire a, an animator to do something that Theo doesn't do. So Theo, is that something that's maybe a lesson learned from previous studios that you had that you, in terms of having, setting a salary for yourself and some of those things, is that, are these some of the, the byproducts of those past experiences? And then you can talk to me about challenges as well, but I was just curious. Yes, <laughs> definitely. Um, and the thing is, is there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes into setting up a payroll and, and doing, and, and figuring out a salary. And, you know, Julie just projected our, our, um, our budget into through 2021 and like i never did that before you know it was it was like hey you know they're paying me this is great you know maybe i'll have enough money to pay my taxes at the end of the year but now i don't have to worry about it so i i you know and so it's when you're a small business or even just an independent contractor um it's it's really easy to live kind of like hand to mouth but it's better to set it up with a good structure. The one thing I want to say is the most frustrating thing for both of us, and it's mostly me listening to Julie, is if you have a PO set up with a company and you need to renew it and you're working with this manager, somehow the manager just disappears forever once you need to re-up re your PO. It's PO, by the way, everybody, is what? Purchase order, correct? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, just want to make sure you guys all know it's what the number that you give. post office box. Yeah, it's the number <laughs> that you give. It's like your, it's in your account, basically. Yes. You know, Theo just said something that made me realize we didn't talk about. Um, Feisty Brown is incorporated. So we were actually a, a corporation with two employees, me and him. We're not freelancers. You know, we, um, when when we get paid, we're we're filing we're filing taxes and we're doing all of the the proper things for a corporation. Rather, what, form, than, what format are you LLC or what are what? No, um, we're an S corp. S corp. So we, we've learned about S corps as well. So that's good. And one thing I like about our textbook is it does. It's not just inspirational and it, it is inspirational, but it also just gets into some of the nitty gritty. Like, why do you want to be an LLC versus an S corp versus all these yeah. other um, sole proprietor? Well, and also the benefit to that is we can get insurance through the company. Our health insurance. Our health insurance, yeah. you know, is, is paid through the company, which is no, well, you know, which is a big deal these days. So are there unique challenges in the midst of this pandemic that you've had to overcome? Um, there, there was, uh, when, the, when the world shut down, we had a really uh, rocky time of it because all of our corporate clients suddenly scattered away from their buildings and there was this interesting lag in communication everywhere. Um, so yeah, it, we, we felt that. We applied for a, um, a federal loan, one of the Paycheck Protection Program loans, which was great, that, that helped us get through. Right. Um, but 
honestly, we've worked this way on Zoom for years. So being able to meet with our clients and, and continue on working with our freelancers, none of that changed. The other thing is, is that we've worked, this is our studio, but it's in our house. And we've worked at home for years, yeah. whereas a lot of our clients were working at home for the first time. So we have a very efficient way of working. And our home life is not really separate from our business. It's like we don't have, not at all. We, we have basic business hours because, you know, we are, our, mo our energy level is best doing between nine and five. And so that's when we put in most of our, you know, our creative and business thinking. But sometimes, you know, life takes over and we feel transitioning from business to life or to home life and back is not hard for us because we've been doing it for a long time. And we saw that we, it, it created some empathy to understand our clients on the other side of the Zoom call, you know, what they're going through yes. um, for the first time. So uh, let, so the, um, Working together and working with your spouse, um, you know, some people talk about, I could, I've heard people say, I could never work either with my spouse or with a family member. Others say, um, the only person I trust is only, you know, is, you know, is my spouse or my sibling or whatever it may be. Um, so how has it been? It's, obviously it's working. Um, are there times when you have to say, okay, honey, uh, let's not talk about work at dinner or are there rules or it's like you know what it just bleeds into our, it's who we are um so are there did you set up parameters what the good the bad the ugly on working with your spouse um you know we never set up specific parameters we we first of all we worked with each other before we got married um and we definitely have um we definitely have moments where we are doing things that couples always do, like talk over each other or, you know, or just, you know, you know those kind of idiosyncratic things. But to us, for our relationship, that's kind of like we, we get over that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, there's a point in the in the evening where we might be talking about work and then um, one of us or both of us just goes, let's just put it away. You know, we, we can we can deal with it. The next day i think the thing that gets us is that we um i was saying this to julie the other day it's like we feel like we are one mistake away from losing it you know with like one mistake with a client and that wrecks our reputation and so if something is going a little sideways or we didn't communicate or even if we're making it up on our head that 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 we can't get rid of after work and it's sometimes think, it's hard to let go. Yes, yeah. that, that those type of things are the hardest to let go. And I don't think that's any different than if you're working for somebody or if you're working for yourself. It's just that's the type of thing that kind of weighs on you. That's a healthy. I think that I've heard people, other um, CEOs, say that same kind of expression, like, "Or we're three months from being out of business." You know, not to scare you, but you know that idea of. Um, not getting too comfortable, I guess, is really yeah. Right. Um, how about you, um, Julie? Working with your husband. Um, I love working. You need have Theo leave the room if you. If just, <laughs> no. uh, we, um, we we work really well together, and um, yeah, we argue it. You know, both during work and after work, but it's um, 
I never feel like, I never feel like I want to quit the way <laughs> I used to at other jobs, you know? Um, but, you know, Theo, Theo kind of hit it. it there, there's a lot of talk about work-life balance, but for us, it's that that's wrong. It's life balance because work is a part of life. And um, the way the way we do it is we integrate work after hours as well. But there's benefit during the day to that, too, because we also integrate our life in the middle of the workday. So it just works for us. You know, the um, I, I never there are times where we have to turn it off, but we we both understand that and agree to it. But if you really you hit a good point there. And that is I think sometimes people really do think about like this this uh, compartmentalization or, you know, work and, and if you, and, and your personal life, and that can be true, but I think if you truly love what you do, um, then it's okay. If it bleeds together, you know, you've heard the expression, like, you know, if you love what you do, you don't, you know, work a day in your life, you know? And uh, I don't know if that's, I didn't say it right, probably, but that idea that it doesn't feel arduous, you know? Um, do either of you in your careers, uh, it could be personal as well, but have you had mentors? Are there people that you, do you have mentors now? Do you mentor others as well? Uh, we've talked a lot about that and I know I have had, uh, many mentors, uh, both personally and for my career path that, um, were invaluable to me that helped me either sidestep potential pitfalls or just had ideas to take me to my next level. How about you? Have you had any mentors in your lives? My, my mentor was my dad. He, he's gone now, but he, you know, I still hear his voice ringing in, in my ears with business advice. And back then I had no interest in going into business. So it was just kind of like a fly buzzing in my ear, but it really does stick in with you. That's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. How about you? Um, I was lucky enough to work with a man named Roger Black, who, and he was one of the initial uh, designers for the Rolling Stone magazine. And so 15 years before I worked for him, I knew who he was and followed his work because it was, it was awesome. And I was the, um, like the fourth employee of a company that he started called the Interactive Bureau, which got sold and evolved and stuff like that. But I've worked with him on and off since the late 90s. And I mean, he's a pillar in the industry. And I, you know, I don't think he would consider me um, a close, close associate, but being able to have worked with him for so long and observe the way he works um, uh, was, I think it's really special. And so like when I'm working, I reflect like, how would Roger look at this, you know? Um, yeah. and, and it's it's really good to kind of have that kind of pillar to 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 base some stuff on. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, 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 I don't you know, and I can't think of anybody else. So I think it's lucky just to have one. Yeah, you That's know. Good. That's good. How about have you mentored anybody? Got me. I'm. Gonna... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we we have um, some younger freelancers that we work with, and I think that they learn a lot from Theo. Um, I haven't. I haven't mentored anybody. Um, well, first, I want to open to the class. Do you guys have any questions? I still have questions, but does anybody have a question? 
Come on. Don't be shy. You can throw it in the chat. Yes, go ahead, Brenda. You're on mute. There you go. Hi. Um, what is the, uh, your, um, how can I say, when you work with a company, the, um, what is the percentage of the, um, the uh, outcome of when you plan your work, um, how successful the percentage of success when you draw a plan for a company? Are you saying how do we judge our success or? Yes, yes. Hmm. Like when you work with a company where you have different companies that you work in, mm -hmm. um, what is your rate or that you complete the, um, what you plan for that company? Do you always have a, a smooth transition to go through the whole process or you, or you have, how do you work with that? I think that it's it, for a studio like us who, who work for um, different companies and we work for people inside the company and we do project. It's mostly project oriented, meaning we are doing a, a website or we're doing a campaign. Um, how we judge success is certainly if our idea from the beginning to the end is is successful, that through all of the approvals and conversations, of course, we'll change it. We still come up with a good product. And I think the biggest judge of success is that they come back to us. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that's really, that's really it. I think if they don't come back to us, we think, what? Did not look at this correctly, you know, so. Brenda, that's a great question. It made me think of something else as well. Um, as you were talking, Theo, um, as a creative person. So you probably go in, you know, and people recognize you, your firm as the experts in what you do. That's why they hired you. But yet there are probably still some people that may say, I don't like that idea or, and you know, design elements and, and things that they don't know that you, you have to sometimes if you make you give them your recommendation your expert opinion on something but at the end of the day they say i don't want that i want this you have to do that right and and how and if that's the case i mean how do you how do you deal with um those types of critiques and implementing something that maybe is not exactly what you would recommend you know it's funny that happens it doesn't happen that often but when it does we, we always try and show them if they want this, we do it for them, but we show them an alternate way and we let them make the decision. And then if they still go that way, our respect is a little bit lower for them and we'll make it look as good as possible. And maybe we won't come back. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's- Right, it's, but you also, when, when this has happened to us in the past, Theo always um, explains why he has a different opinion, which is important because, as you said, you know you're learn you're learning as you make mistakes, and so when the client insists on something that we don't agree with, and he explains why we disagree, it's kind of on them if they're if they're going to go their route. Right. Well, I was reading in this one book about you know having multiple. Um, uh, like examples of something so that you're not married to one. Like my, my boss likes to have, he doesn't like to be presented with just one idea. He likes several ideas to pick from. 
And I used to work with uh, in a newspaper and the design editor had a very thick skin. She did not take a, and our publisher used to always, like we'd have a cover of a business publication or whatever. And the publisher couldn't say what she liked, but she could say that doesn't speak to me. And that would drive some people crazy, but she was okay with it. She was like, okay, I'll change the fonts. I'll change the backdrop. I'll put some more pics. And she would present multiple things so that it wasn't like she was married to it. That if you reject this, you're rejecting me, you know? Yeah. Oh, we always, we'll, we'll always at the beginning of a, of a design process, when it's time to show them our ideas, it's never just one idea. Um, right. That's not what that's not what they're getting from us. And sometimes the answer is merging a couple of ideas. You know, if we that's present right. them with three different designs and they like elements from each, we can, you know. I know, like there was a story in uh, the uh, the biography of um, Steve Jobs when he did a spin. He did another company after Apple when he left Apple for that one weird window there. And this one guy was a logo designer who was like, you probably know the story, Theo, but he was um, very high priced. He presents the logo and it was like some outrageous price and that was it, take it or leave it. And it was just a very interesting, you know, I don't think, I don't don't remember. I, I think I actually Paul did. Paul Rand, it, it was Paul Rand and it, you, you you get his logos. I mean, he did a, he did all the logos. It, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. You yeah, know, and so, so it was next. That was the company. That was it next, exactly. Yeah. That's it. And I think he did. You he did take it. It was, but I'm like that was a little bit different than most people's experience. Um, <laughs> I kind of picture him coming in with a cape on, you know, and you know, like a maestro, you know, and uh, okay, whatever. You say. <laughs> um, other questions from students. Um, I guess I have one. Go ahead, Lindsay. Did you freeze on me? an arts background? You froze a little bit. Go ahead, try it again. Sorry. As, uh, Theo said that he had a fine arts background and I was curious if he like, if you went and got um, any more schooling for like graphic design to help you with your business and like how you present your new designs to, to clients. Um, my path was, I got a degree in, um, in art and art history and I worked from my sophomore year as a graphic designer, like I said before. And I, I even worked at magazines around the town, you know? And so I never um, had any schooling past undergrad for design, but there were so many outlets to, to learn about design, magazines, visuals, I was just eating them up. And mm -hmm. I work my way up through jobs. And I think there's definitely, when I see this, there's two career, there's two paths to being a designer. Um, one is schooling and you go through graduate school, et cetera, et cetera. And the other is just working. And in, in this industry, you kind of have both. Mm -hmm. And both people can end up being awesome. You know, it really depends on your own, you know, what you want out of, you know, out of life really um so and i forgot the the other question uh i guess that was kind of it it's because <laughs> i have a bachelor's in fine arts and now i'm going in a programming direction and i'm just kind of i feel a little lost and it's nice to hear you know your guys story and see how you yeah. got to where you are now so i don't know i just trying to figure it's it funny, out i always i mean <laughs> I, I like I said I, I think 
you get the point of like, I worked a lot when I was in school and after, and you just keep meeting people who go someplace else and they, and you, you stay in touch with them and they say, hey, maybe you might want to come over here. You know, it's, there's a lot of networking and it's not like on purpose. It's just as you work or as you go to school, all your friends or anybody that you know, they, they tend to branch out. And I mean, that's how we have gotten clients. I mean, I have, I, I have clients that I've worked with for 25 years who started out as like the assistant to the assistant who I was working, who I was working for. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's the way mm -hmm. it works. It's all relationships. It yeah. really is. <laughs> oh, you know what? Every time I work with company X, yeah, the product is great, but man, it's, it's, <laughs> is it worth the effort? So, or is it this, these people are fun. I look forward to our meetings with them. I'm, you know, I used to work with a, a small PR firm and um, for just a brief period of time. And we had a lot of fun in our brainstorming sessions. And I think people genuinely enjoyed our, 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 our meetings together, you know, because um, they were productive, but they were also fun. So, um, so when you had that experience 25 years ago and say, you know, who, I need something done. Am I going to go with a known entity that I know, number one, the work is good, but also the experience yeah. is good as well. Any other questions? Well, I'm just a quick question on what does Feisty Brown mean? Where did the name come from? How did you come up? With, <laughs> did you have a lot of different names and you settled on one or what does it mean? How'd you we get did. it? We yeah, I still have a list. Some of them were so bad too. We, like what? Like what? <laughs> we were kind of all over the place. What's a, give me a bad one. Oh gosh. I would have to look at the list, which I don't have handy. Yeah, no, I, I can't even remember. I can't remember the bad ones. That's good because I'm blocking. That's probably it. a good thing. That's yeah. Probably. So, so Feisty Brown was um, well. You you tell the first part of the story. So I when we started the studio, my past studios always had my name in it. Um, the, the 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 one before Feisty Brown was called Theo and Sebastian. Who was my partner, Sebastian. So the, it was Theo and Sebastian. A very clever name. And. <laughs> I yeah. know, and it was nice. It was. I like. I was gonna. No, this one's not gonna have my name in it. But I kind of wanted a name, and so I, I turned to Julie and I said, "What about just calling the studio Mr. Brown?" And she, the first thing she said is, "Well, that's just so male oriented." I, I'm fifty-one. <laughs> I'm. I've got fifty-one percent of the shares, by the I'm way, so that we could be a woman-owned business. So, <laughs> so Mr. Brown was not gonna do it for me. But the, so you, so I remember we were driving yeah. down I 90. I literally were in the car talking about this. And, and I just said, I, you know, I like the word feisty because, you know, feisty is, you think that, you know, the old phrase I before E except after C. Well, feisty has the E before the I and it breaks the rule. So it's a really good word. It's like a really strong word. And it's a fun word. Feisty. Yeah, it's a fun word. And it's like we, you know, Theo and I both have a lot of personality. Um, and so I don't know. I think it's a it's a good descriptor for us. So where's Brown come from? I just like his brain. I, I think <laughs> I actually think that it was derived from my mentor, Roger Black. Uh, and I thought, oh, Brown, oh, that's funny. kind of an interesting thing. <laughs> and I, I liked, you know, so I, I just wanted something really kind of generic but kind of odd at the same time well i like that we 
because you think brown is not like the most exciting color. No offense. No, it's not. You no. have feisty next to brown. You have stability. You have it's a workhorse. Yeah. Kind of thing. And <laughs> so, I, I love the I love the 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 process involved in that. I um, there's a, it also rolls off the tongue. Nice. It does. It does. Well, um, there's a company in uh, Albany you may have heard of, Smith and Jones. Sure. And an advertising um, marketing firm, very creative. And I used to be, a when I was a reporter, I interviewed them and stuff. There was no Smith and Jones. It was intentionally to be, yeah. it was kind of making fun of, in a way, the generic name to Smith and Jones. So I always yeah. thought, I also was thinking as you were talking, I don't know if you know this or not, but the original name for Mickey Mouse, does anyone know what Mickey Mouse's original name was? Oh. Been? Mortimer. Really? And Walt Disney wisely yielded to his wife. We did not <laughs> like Mortimer. She's the one that came up, I believe, she came up with the name Mickey. And the rest is history. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have worked. anybody, anything but Mickey. So um, I love the name. So this is usually my closing question, but before I had to have one, anybody have anything else they want to, student-wise, and then I'll have, you guys want to add anything that I didn't ask you. They like, I really want to talk about this, Rick. You didn't get to that. Um, anybody, student-wise questions? Okay. Anything, um, Theo or Julie, that you wanted to add? I. Okay. Um, well, I don't think so. Oh, this is great. Well, my question that I, I am a kind of a introspective, retrospective type person. So is there anything that you know now, and it sounds like you're, who no one wants to go back, but is there something that you, uh, you know now that you would have liked to have been able to tell the younger Julie or the younger Theo, um, you know, as you're getting onto either your career path or, or starting this business, but you know, just lessons, you know, basically something that the wiser you today would tell a younger person. I, for me, um, it really goes back to that. I wish I had known then not to feel bad about changing my, what I was doing work-wise or career-wise that, um, if you put yourself into whatever job, you're going to pull something out of it and be able to use that. And I, I look back on fondness on all of my jobs, even if I wasn't enjoying it the time then, um, which is great because that means that it was worthwhile. So never feel like something is a waste of your time. If you put something in, you will definitely get something out. That is really good. There are times I, I can say the same thing where even a tough time I may have had, I can look back and say what I got out of that and how I grew. Um, but it's hard when you're in the thick of it sometimes. So students, you may be in the thick of things sometimes and feel like this is terrible and just realize that number one, this too shall pass. And number two, you may look back on some things that you you got out of that experience that made you who you are today. And maybe it's just even, I will tell you know younger people, maybe if you have a really bad boss, that someday you may become a boss and you just, the one thing you got from that experience is you know what not to do. <laughs> maybe just as simple as that. Yeah. Theo, how about you? I think that um, I would kind of want to tell maybe my 30 year old self or my 25 year old self. Okay, I'll say that. 
I always wanted to do what I'm doing, which is being a creative director. So what that is, is that's directing people. And when I was younger, I could do it all. And I did it all, but I probably should have not done it all and worked with other people who could do it as well or better than me. Um, and, and now I feel like I'm doing that, but in, in not doing it, I kind of isolated myself for a while. And I don't think the people I was working for, and I can understand it, thought that I was going to advance as well as I could because I couldn't direct other people or I didn't want to, I wanted to do it all myself. And it was kind of a realization after a while. And I, I you know, I'm kind of glad I, I did realize it, but it's like, even if you can do it all, but you want to run a business, the thing to do is to not do it all. Yeah, that's good advice. That is really good advice. And I, unfortunately, I think it's a rare person that can recognize it at a younger age. I think part of, at least for me, in my career path, it's it was an insecurity partially or, yeah. I, you know, so, but that is wonderful, wonderful. Both of what you both said was wonderful advice. I hope you guys all get that because um, that is very valuable. Um, well, I can't believe, I, well, I, can't, I should say, I, I do believe it. I knew the time was gonna go by fast and it did go by very fast. I just really wanna appreciate, express my appreciation for your time, for sharing uh, with the students. Um, like I said, each one of these, the students have said they've gotten so much out of it. So you help um, just, again, bring the textbook to life. Um, so I just want to thank you. Um, I will be posting this as a, um, I have a podcast called Worthwhile Words that I uh, will take this recording and put it um, out there um, just as, as it is. Um, so I'll let you guys know. I'll send you an email. But um, thank you all. Thanks, students, for coming in. Thanks for the great questions you asked. And thank you so much, Theo and Julie, for um, for just being just a great uh, great speakers. I really appreciate. Thank it. you. Yeah, this was nice. Us. All right, absolutely. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.